This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlox. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. With me right now, the man behind this entire project, Dr. Roger Guevara. Way, way behind. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. And... uh, I have to say this is uh, this is awesome. I mean, it, it really is. And in fact, you know, I, you know, we were here last year, right. and uh, I, I, I think it has definitely grown from the last one we had in terms of. And I have no idea, just just from numbers, me looking, yeah. yeah, in terms of actual numbers, but from the numbers of students that we've got here, but also in terms of the types of students that are here. You know, right. last year we had a couple. There were a couple of groups who were kind of the old hats, you know, they, they knew what was going on, and, the, and most of the students were here just to learn about it. Sure. This time, it's almost flipped. You know, we got a lot of students here who, they've started robotics programs in their school, or, you know, they're, they're, they are in the process of starting, and, and, and then there were a couple that were still just kind of looking, you know, but it, it's almost the reverse of what it was last year. Which is exactly where we wanted to be. Sure. You know, uh, the, one of the keys about education is um, you expose the students to a challenge, and then you step back and let them do it. Yeah. Um, we don't want to micromanage them where we're telling them exactly what to do step by step because that really takes away all the creativity sure. and um, uh, you know the, the functionality of, of being a student because basically students are here to learn and what we do as teachers is to expose them to different opportunities that lie before them and then let them match their, um, their learning styles with the uh, you know the available options that are out there so that they can gravitate toward they want and fortunately when it comes down to technology kids gravitate quite naturally toward that but still the role of the teacher is paramount because they can easily narrow the thinking of this child you know or that they can greatly enhance that sure and and we don't want to have a situation where you just say okay you just turn them completely loose. Let's take them through a process, but during that process, if it's a, a five-step process, they can do anything that they need to do within these certain parameters. And so you're taking them through step one, which would be um, kind of a, an awareness discovery phase. You know, step two is the you start pondering what those questions are. Step three is what are some of the possible solutions you know that we can have to those questions. Step four is you run 
uh, of various trials and see if you can see any kind of consistency there. And then third, or, or lastly, is you um, you analyze the data that you have and see, you know, was my original hypothesis correct? Did I achieve what I needed to achieve? Yes, sir. How's it going? No, no. Come sit down. Have a seat. Yeah, well, that's great. He was on great. earlier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, it, it, it's up to us as, as educators to make sure that we stimulate the kids in a way that, um, that intrigues them and, and actually where we almost push them to the brink of, of frustration almost, you know, oh, and, yeah, then, and then pull them back a little bit, you know, give them a little bit more resources and then, and then put that challenge out there so it's not a piece of cake for them anymore. Right. Well, and I think that's, to me, I, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head. You know, talking about pushing them to the uh, point of frustration, I, uh-huh. I, think, I, I think really that's where you see some of the greatest uh, leaps in innovation when you have these students, especially if you have the ones who, uh, if they have an idea of the way they want something to happen, right? So I think this, this is what I want to happen and I think this is how it should happen. And then it doesn't happen that way. And so they try something else and that doesn't happen that way. And they try something else and they keep going back and it, and it keeps not succeeding and they get to that point of frustration. And sometimes in that moment of just <clears throat> pulling their hair out and they go, oh wait, there it is. Duh! I just had to put this one piece on. That's I had right. To, you know, it's usually something fairly simple. That they, yes, they, 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 yeah, they they right. they've already thought through it. You know, and they said, "Well, I need to tweak this, or I need to tweak that." Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite stories, David, that that comes to mind. Uh, you're familiar with Formula 409? You know, the the cleaning. Oh, uh, uh-huh. solution? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you, you know that story behind it? No, I don't at all. Okay, well, Formula 409 gets its name because. The developer, the inventor of Formula 409, he had literally tried 408 times to have a winning formula. You know, one that would cut through grease and you know, and clean and such. But uh, none of those were successful. And uh, you know, it is a uh, testimony to tenacity and and just stick withedness because on his 409th try. He nailed it, yeah. and, and uh, you know he became a millionaire, you know, based off of that. So uh, the story for me, as a, as an instructor, is you know very often we're put in a situation where we're in a classroom of thirty kids, and they're all different, and you're not going to knock it out of the park for all thirty of those kids in one swoop lesson, right? You know, you're right. just not going to do that, yeah. you know, typically. And so what we have to do is we have to find out what buttons do we push, first of all, to uh, motivate the kids to want to learn, and then what are we doing to truly engage them in what they're doing, and then to allow enough time so that they get that depth that they need to in order to have a learning experience. Yes, exactly. And and so um, all these things contribute to um, kind of the learning process. and. It's a difficult task. Oh yeah, absolutely. It well, is very I had a, there was a, one of the groups of students uh, had come over and visited, and, and they were they're, they're just kind of starting out, and so they're still in the process of, of building their robots. They haven't even gotten into the coding side yet. Right. And I said, so what are some of the things that you're finding as you're building the robot? What are, you know, what are, what are the areas where you know you you kind of tend to struggle? And they said, well. 
one of the biggest problems that they've been having is that you know they they've designed this robot and they put all the pieces on there and then when they turn it on so that the motors start going the pieces start flying off everywhere and they said so you know it's one of those things that they're like we thought we had everything put together just the way it was supposed to be and yet when we turn it on pieces are flying and they're like well wait a minute How, why is this happening you know and i just it's it's working through those you know those little things you know and it's it's i'm sure it's you know well that bolt wasn't tightened enough there or that nut wasn't on quite right here or that screw wasn't tightened down or you know whatever it happens to be it's it's working through that and seeing where the quote-unquote failures are the 408 right, <laughs> until they right. get to no the doubt. 409 yeah. And, and there's no doubt that that learning process, if, if you hand somebody something, you know, that's on, on, you know, practically with a solution, all you have to do is cross the T and dot the I, yeah. that, that's not much of a learning experience. No. You know, it's, it's really not. They have to go through these trials and turbulations in order to uh, make that happen. Yes. Well, and that's one of the things that, you know, one of the things we, we often talk about is, is 3D printing and that type of thing. And one of my biggest pet peeves is when you... Can you take our picture right here? Is uh, when you uh, are... If a teacher hands the student the website for them to download the 3D printer file, and the student downloads the file and copies it to the printer and the printer starts printing, you haven't taught that kid anything. No. Nothing whatsoever. You, all you've all you've done was teach that kid how to go find something somebody else did and print it out. That's no different than going online, finding a worksheet and printing it out of your regular printer. The difference is this is 3D instead. Well, it's Big still deal. A, it's a 3D worksheet. You yeah. Know. Now, you you take the student who wants to build a 3D Eiffel Tower and help them discover how they program that to make that That's particular object level. and then yeah. they take the file they made and put it into the 3d printer and now all of a sudden the extruder is making an eiffel tower that's different that sure you is. know now i would also argue that unless that is part of a bigger project that in itself really isn't all that worth any i mean yeah okay they learn how to do that they learn some of the concepts behind how to make the thing but if they're not solving a problem that needs to be solved, then, once again, from my two cents, it's essentially still just another glorified worksheet. It's like the old school days when we used to make the Globe Theater in English class. Why are we all building the Globe Theater in English class? What was that? I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm... Shakespeare would have been proud. I, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you know. and, and uh, let's put that in regular um, education ease. And that is that if... And uh, Mr. Watson, who teaches uh, mathematics and a, one of the very best teachers that uh, my daughter has ever had, for sure, um, <laughs> tell, tell me your thinking on this. If if you have, if you give the students a set of data and you ask them to interpret that data, they're going to have a certain amount of learning experience. But when you have the kids generate the data, put it into the graph, and then ask them to interpret that, what's the difference the two? Which one would you rather have your kids doing? I'd have them collecting the data themselves and interpreting. I mean, that's how I was taught back in connected math with a teacher that actually did it right. Was you did the you talked about theoretical experimental, theoretical probability versus experimental probability. And the theoretical, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but they're the experimental my group versus this group our charts our graphs that data meant something right so if you actually have something involved and you produce the data and then you do something with the data that's your data you're involved it's yours right. you have ownership of it yes. you have ownership of your education and it's not just something I handed you yeah yes except well and, and I think it's also important that as the students you know when they are the ones who are Developing the, the measure, the measurement to collect the data. They collect the data, then they interpret the data. At least from my perspective, it seems to me that also lends itself to the students having a better understanding of how data can be manipulated to say a certain thing. You know, numbers are numbers. And given the, the, the right circumstances, you know, you can make any number say whatever you need them to say. And so by having the students doing that themselves, at least from my perspective, I can see where that would help them interpret that data, at least theoretically and hopefully as purely as they could, but by the same token also help them understand that really, I could make this say whatever I needed to say to make my point. And that other people could do the same thing right. and present it to you in such a way, yeah. like in your media, your newspaper, your news, mm -hmm. and be like, hey, or like you just zoom on, like change the scale on the y-axis, it changes the whole problem. Right, like, oh, no doubt. Look at that slope. Well, those of us who know, like we check that stuff out, and the kids are just like, oh yeah, man, that's, that's pretty steep. That, that grows pretty quickly. Right. But it may not have. Right. Just I zoomed in a lot. Yes. Change my scale. Exactly. Or, you know, there's a Loch Ness monster floating out in the water out there yeah when you're zoomed in all the way so that it looks like it takes up the whole picture but when you zoom out and see the whole thing um, i'm pretty sure that was a log you know i mean you know just that whole perspective kind of thing i remember being fascinated with that as a kid just like is it real is it right. not yes. when you see those commercials on tv and you're like if it was real i'd already heard about it somewhere <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have saved it for a saved it for a tv special on the history channel right yes you know and it's funny to me i know we're bird walking a little here but it's funny to me that things like that are still like you know they have intriguing well it's still intriguing and, and, and they're making tv series and so bigfoot which I, you know and i grew up you know in the 70s so that was like that was crazy quote-unquote real to us you know you know bigfoot and Loch Ness monster and all these yeah. crazy things and it's true to all these years later, and people are still like, you know how old those things would be now? If it, there's no way. I mean, you know, just, but anyway. Maybe they reproduce. Well, maybe. That's yeah. true. Good point. But if we can't but. find them, how hard would it be for them to find a mate? You know? It's uncharted territory. It's area left unexplored. Yeah, that's right. That's it's, right. Neither, it's neither confirmed nor denied. Nope. So. That's right. That's right. You can't prove that there's not one. No, that's exactly. That's right. <laughs> you can't prove a negative. Yep. So right. where That's are right. we in terms of um, getting these kids exposed to technology so that they can in turn apply that to their everyday curriculum? Are are we there yet where um, where it happens fairly intuitively or uh, do we need to work a lot more at it? We need to work a lot more at it. I'm just now getting there. I know handing a kid a laptop and telling them to do something isn't using technology, though. Mm -hmm. And that's actually over their heads a lot of times because they don't use laptops except in school. Yeah. It's tablets, it's phones, it's that interface, which to us, like us, oh, the same thing, even my age. If you get these kids a laptop, they'll get confused on how to log in, how to do stuff. You hand them a tablet or a touch device, whatever you want them to do. Yeah. 
I'm starting to integrate technology as I go. I know I have a teacher at school that started using Google Classroom. Yeah. And we're just a small school, what, 200 kids maybe, 7 through 12. And I've even seen in my class where they were doing a geography presentation, and they're like, well, we need to collaborate better. You know, they showed us something in Google Classroom, and I don't even know what it was called, and they were able to work on the same project yeah. on different computers at the same time, editing the same file. And I was like, that's incredible. Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. So we're slowly getting there, but like they said in the thing earlier, like staying ahead of them, I don't know how we're so, David, what do you think we need to do in order to get into that point? Because this is what you deal with on a daily basis over at the co-op. Well, a lot of it is, I will tell you, a lot of it is, it, well, it goes back to what you're saying, you know, how do we stay ahead? I, I, I'll be honest, I don't think we can stay ahead at all. Because um, it changes so we can, it, Well, it changes so quickly, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily our role or our place as educators to try to stay ahead of where things are going, partly because you will never catch up. I mean, you can't even catch up, let alone stay ahead. But I think we can uh, we can stay informed about things that are coming up, things that are changing, how things are changing, and essentially, our our role is to give the students the tools and the guidance and the principles to take whatever that technology is. Like you said, with Google Classroom and being able to collaborate and share, helping them understand, okay, so what does that mean? What does that look like? And a lot of times, like your students did, you know, they're the ones who showed you yeah. this is how it is. And I think we have to be, as educators, we have to be open and receptive to that kind of thing. And unfortunately, there are still so many who, you know, if there are other educators that had their students come to them with that, they would have been like, no, we're not doing that. That's I don't know what that is. It's some kind of voodoo witchcraft thing. I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not doing that in my classroom. And I think we have to be open to the students being allowed to teach us. Yes. You know, we have the life experience and we have the the concepts that are much bigger than what the students see right here right now so there are a lot of tools and technologies that the students have access to all the time you know I, I take you know my son and my daughter they watch you know they're watching YouTube all the time they're hanging on Instagram all the time so they're all the time seeing you know this new thing that new thing so where my role comes in as a parent slash educator is okay so you have you have this new thing called Instagram. Tell me about what it does. What is it? And how could you use that for the better good? Instead of, you know, the first thing most people want to do is leap to the negative. Oh, what, you know, what's going to happen here? So I think that's where we can help students learn is those bigger concepts. Collaboration, working with the data, doing data interpretation. How, what does that look like? What does collaboration look like? So to me, anyway, I think that's that's where our role is. Yeah. A good starting point would be getting your teachers to develop a growth mindset. Yes. I've done some PDs on that. I've studied some of that here. Currently, I'm I'm here at SAU getting my administration stuff. What is your guy. What is your uh, definition of a growth mindset for our, our audience? For the purposes, I've heard the things that really resonate with me is being being. We tell our kids not to be afraid to be wrong. Is yourself as a teacher 
not to be afraid of not knowing where the lesson's going to go. Not being afraid of you being wrong. Or don't be afraid of your kid being the expert and you being the student for a minute. Be able to go, hey, that's where we need to go. Let's go there. Take me there with you. Show me that, and I'll show you what I know. We'll come together and meet a mission. People want to be able to have everything planned down to the second in the classroom, but you're not leaving any time to respond to how your kids need. Right. I find it difficult to plan two or three weeks in advance like some people do because I don't know what I'm teaching Friday until I teach tomorrow, until right. I teach Thursday. Yes. Because I don't know what my kids are going to get. I have an idea where I'd like to go, Right. but if i got to drive around the corner to go this way and stop and focus or change my technique for that, like in geometry right now when I'm teaching some of my kids, it's just... Some of them see it right away, but some of them it takes different color markers, manipulatives going, explaining it a different way, drawing the picture. You've got to take your time with the concept. Because if you don't teach them the fundamental concept, you're not going to be able to go from there. But a lot of people are afraid to open yourself up to those discussions in class because you may not know the answer. Right. And you got to be afraid. You can't be afraid to go, well, let me check on that. Let me check with somebody else. That was my go-to when I first started. When I was teaching Dr. Gavada's daughter here, her, those kids would ask me questions, college algebra level, college calculus level, like they would see where it was going. And luckily I had the math background and I could get there, but it wasn't long before I was like, let me go consult some of my textbooks because I haven't used that in six or seven right. years. Sure. And I'll get you an answer. Yeah. And even to this day, I've had someone come up and go, you showed us so much further than anybody else ever showed us or are willing to. We'd ask questions like, oh, we'll get to that later. You were like, all right, let's go there. Right. What do you have? Yes. Come with the ride for me. Hey, you two or three in the back aren't there. Follow this ride. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense right now, but let's see where it's going for these other people. Right. Oh, that's where it's going. And once you give a purpose, it's there. You know, and, and that goes back to our basically our curriculum, because instead of skimming the surface on so many different standards, you know, just skip from one to another to another. Say, well, I went over that. Well, there's a big difference between going over something and having the students actually understand yes. to the appropriate depth that we're requiring them to understand when it comes down to the types of assessments that they're being exposed to now. Right. So we really have to rethink our curriculum and to think, okay, if I'm teaching geometry, what are the handful of concepts that I really want them to be able to master and then to be able to transfer to other similar but different circumstances. That way that they can learn to learn, basically, and figure it out. That's my thought process is I teach them the fundamentals, and if I don't get to something later on, hopefully they can take what I taught them and apply it in that new way. And I get in this argument with teachers all the time. You know how we are. We get around, we talk, we do stuff. And they're like, I'm so far behind on my map. Where are you on your map? And they're like, I'm where my students need me to be. If I don't finish the book, that's fine with me. But I will put my kids against your kids yeah. every right. day right. and just see what happens. Now, you may score higher, may not, whatever, in the end, but my kids' confidence level is, like, I've had them tell me every year, Mr. Watson, we greatly appreciate, we love that you go at our pace. Yeah. I don't ever feel rushed. You wait until we move on. Now, I've also had a student who actually, a small town, knows my mother and was talking to her the other day, <laughs> and she's in my Algebra three class instead of taking the college class because it wasn't going to transfer where she was going. And she goes, he's a great teacher. He explains everything. He's got the kids involved in class that flunked math all the way up to here. They're trying to get through senior. They're passing. They're engaged every day. She goes, he's teaching to them because he knows we know how to do everything. He makes us do all the work, and then we just sit back there and watch. She goes, I wish we'd been taught that way since seventh grade. Yeah. I see what he's doing, but I am bored out of my mind right. because we should have already moved on. Right. But it's a class that's 90% of remediation level, lower level kids, and I'm trying to provide them that foundation. 
the same kids from last year that graduated and came to SAU are passing college algebra. They're messaging me, emailing me. Parents have come up crying. Thank you. Like that, that, that hits you in the heart That's when a parent gratifying. comes up at graduation, Absolutely. hugging you, crying. I just want to introduce myself to you. I'm right. telling those parents, without you, we wouldn't have made it here today. Right. And then that same kid emails you in September, a picture of his like grades in college. Look at this. That's because of you. Yeah. And that's, that reminds you of why you do what you do. Yes. Yes. Well, and that's why we had to have um, reevaluate the role of administration. You talked about that earlier because uh, in the old days, just because you've been there the longest or you're the tallest or, right. you know, you can uh, have great classroom management, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an instructional leader. Right. And so what we have to do is to get make sure that we put the young teachers in a position for success, that we give them the resources, that we give them good professional development, that we are visiting their classrooms, we're participating along with the students and saying, hey, this is important, you know, I, I, I'll be part of this discussion and, and not be scared not to know what the answer is, you know, if I walk into an organic chemistry class or something. Right. I haven't Everyone taken that in a long anywhere time. anywhere and not know the answer. We hate, as people, we've yeah. been trained that way. If we don't know the answer, it's not a good thing. Right. So, right. so we have to reinvent ourselves yes. in education and move towards... Um, this more progressive type of style and and also I really think that the technology is an excellent bridge to get us there that because people gravitate towards that you know that we can use that as well it's just a nice little hook that happens to be tremendously effective when it's appropriately done sure it petrifies me the thought of becoming an administrator like I'm getting the classes now and it's not because it's not something I want to do I'm just afraid I'm gonna fail at it because it's different but then I'm also like I love what I'm doing yeah. I love helping these kids. I love finding the new stuff. I love going where they're got, and I don't want to lose that. So I got to learn when I get in there how to incorporate. Uh, Connie Wilson said something here that in the summer at one of our professional fellows. He said, "Principal means principal teacher," and that really said. I actually wrote a paper in her class and used that, and she highlighted this. I love this quote. And I said, "That's actually from you. <laughs> you told me that." Of course, you love she goes, it. Because I did. <laughs> I said, like, "Yeah." I said, "That really stayed home with me though, because." That makes more sense because so long in my life I've had great principles modeled as just men, older, right. been there the longest, or came in somewhere, firm, know how to deal with things. None of them have been involved in curriculum. Even with the tests, you see them and they're just they're pulling their hair out, not knowing how to do these evaluations. Whereas my vision of me as a principal, I want to be involved in everybody's classroom. Right. I want to see what's. No, I don't want to be the harasser that's in the back of the room watching every day, making teachers uncomfortable. But I want to know what's going on. I want to know how I can help you be better you. Right. And I'm petrified that I can't do that. Well, I think I think a lot of that is. Um, I think one of the biggest obstacles that you're probably going to face is the folks that have been there. And, and there's a lot of times we, we try to push this off on long-term teachers who have you know who are kind of set in their ways. But there are some brand new teachers yes. that, frankly, they've come out of. And, and I, I realize I'm sitting at a university that teaches educators, but at a lot of universities, part of the problem that new educators have is that they are they are given the the theory and the background of education without necessarily this is what it actually looks like in the classroom. Absolutely. So you get some new teachers who are also set in ways that they didn't even realize they were set in. And so I, I think as, as a new, as, a, as, a, as an administrator who 
you know, I, I see where you're wanting to go, and I think it's awesome. And I think, first of all, I hope you never lose that as you, you know, continue in an administrative role if and when, you know, you, you get to that point. Um, but I think a lot of that is that being in that position, you also get to set and define and refine that culture that's in that you know, in that building. And sometimes, um, and, and this is the hardest pill to swallow, I think, but, you know, sometimes it's a rubber meets the road, as, as the vernacular down here is, you know, sometimes got to have a come to Jesus meeting yes. and and outline and say this is the way we are going this is the path that I'm taking and yes there's going to be little offshoots and it's not a straight path you know it's going to kind of meander it's going to go this way but I need you to come with me yep. however if you're not comfortable with that and this is not the path you ultimately want to come down then maybe it's time we part ways and this is where our paths fork and you go a different direction, and I, I continue down this one. I have a great example of that um, many years ago now. Um, I was with a group of people, and we went up to uh, one of the uh, school districts in northwest Arkansas. And they were, they were doing a complete changeover in terms of what technology in the schools looked like, what technology integration looked like. I mean, it was a complete overhaul. And one of the questions I asked the the principal in charge of the building I said so what about the people who you know came kicking and screaming and dragging their feet and he said the ones that came kicking and screaming and dragging their feet came he said they still came along took them a little longer to get there but they still came along he said the other ones that dug in their heels and wouldn't go he said they no longer work at this district and sometimes I mean do. that's the ugly truth but sometimes that's ultimately what it comes down to. And you hope it doesn't get to that point, especially in a small town, yes. you know, where everybody knows everybody and that's my grandma you just sent to the curb and you know. But by the same token, I think I think that if you're able to express that vision and demonstrate that vision and you get the folks who they're they're not only not kicking and screaming, they're the ones that are skipping down the lane right along with you. Yes. Use those as the kind of the showcases to say, yes. this is what we're trying to do. I think I think your vision is going to be awesome, especially for such a small district. I got to go make an announcement. Yeah, and man. Get ready, Absolutely. but thank you so thank much you for so the much. time. Absolutely, I appreciate you sitting down, oh, hanging yeah. out. Always, always. <laughs> like getting he always ready. throws me into everything. Yes. <laughs> but you're exactly right. When I was a new teacher, I remember doing things the same way my teachers did for me because it worked, and then realizing I was at a lower income, different type place. They didn't have a clue what I was doing, and I had to stop right there. Yeah. And not many of us would stop. Right. Some of us just keep going. Right. And so many times I hear what he said. Yeah, I covered that. Covering and teaching and understanding three different things. Yes, that's three exactly right. Three exactly right. Man. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training 
a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.